Hey guys, how's it going? Post Solvers, welcome to Great Lengths at the Good Girl Great Podcast. This segment is where I essentially, Talia Toha, I take you into this deep dive into someone's life, work, story, and how they've been doing things in their life. And what are some things that we can learn, right, from them that you can adopt and adapt and make your work, make your life, make your business, anything that you're trying, that you're wanting to excel at and be good at and become great at to be extra special, right? And so today I want to share with you the story of Rebecca Corral. And Rebecca is the founder of Transparent Interiors and she is a full-time traveler, which I think we all can kind of go, this is amazing. She's a full-time traveler with her husband and she loves designing remotely, which allowed her to learn from different cultures around the world. Also a deep passion of mine. I love how all of you guys are tuning in from 60 plus countries worldwide. Amazing. And what Rebecca is doing, though, she is focusing on streamlining affordability. And today in this podcast episode, she is sharing with us small ways that she's been getting big and massive leaps in what she does in her business. Like, number one, what you can do if everyone else is way ahead of you, right? And how to make things really, really um, in your favor to create this meaningful life that you deserve. And number two, how to turn a niche-specific challenge into your strength. And number three, how you can also go from starving artist to entrepreneur. Now, before we dive in and we, we unpack really Rebecca's journey and some of the ways that you can kind of go, oh, you, you know what? That's amazing. I didn't know that that was a thing. Let me try that out with what I do. Before we do that, don't forget to hit follow and subscribe. Growth Solvers, let's do this. All right, Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Amazing. I'm excited to talk to you. And actually, because you mentioned that your specialty is in affordable design and really making sure that it is accessible to many people out there who are, who are needing it, right? And what I want to do actually is before we talk shop and before we talk about all of that good stuff is to start with your journey, right? And just kind of having the audience listen uh, and learn where this passion for affordable design comes from. Because I don't think most people, when they think about design, interior design, all of that good stuff, they're not really thinking about affordability, right? Can you speak to why this is a passion of yours and maybe what prompted you to go ahead and and basically start your journey in that space? I've always had an artistic um, mindset and absolutely loved the design world. Um, So that's kind of where my passion started. I had some really great professors um, who were really passionate about us taking our careers in different directions and really um, taught us a lot of guidance um, about, you know, where we were going to take our businesses. Well, I graduated thinking I was going to go into commercial interiors. Definitely didn't want residential. I thought that was too personal. I didn't want to get personal with my clients. Um, started commercial and realized it pretty fast that it wasn't the best 
opposite. And so I kind of realized that I was missing that personal connection with people. Instead of talking to an office manager, I wanted to actually talk to the person who would be using the space and who would be living there and experiencing it. Um, and so I just started looking for different design jobs. I applied at a bunch of firms. And while I was doing that, I ran across a online interior design company um, that is no longer in business. It failed. Um, but I worked with them for about a year. And that's when I first was exposed to the concept of e-design, um, which a lot of people don't know about, but it's basically online interior design. Um, and the concept is for it to be completely accessible for everyone. So it's an affordable design service that's done completely online, and it's usually very fast paced, and you get a mood board and a couple options, and then clickable links where you can shop on your own. Um, and so I really enjoyed this concept because it was accessible for everyone. Um, growing up, I didn't really know anything about interior design because as many of you might just think, it's for the rich and famous, or unless you have money, you can't hire an interior designer. Um, and that should not be the case. Um, interior design, I believe, should be something that everyone has accessibility for, um, accessibility to, um, because it is so important and really impacts every area of your life. When you walk into a room, you're immediately hit by emotions, whether you realize it or not. A space is impacting you in positive ways or negative ways. If you hate your surrounding, then that's going to impact you emotionally. It's going to have an impact on your work, on your social life, everything like that. Um, even, you know, changing up the layout of the space can have a huge impact on you personally. Um, and just knowing that I realized more and more as I went into my design career that design is really important and everyone should have the opportunity to have a well-designed space. Um, so um, once the business that I was working for at the time was trending downwards, I realized there were a lot of flaws in its business model. Um, first of all, you weren't the, the clients didn't really know their designers, so there wasn't really that personal relationship. So um, when I saw the downfall of that, I decided to start my own interior design company. Um, that would still be online interior design, but would actually have that personal connection with people. So my clients know that they're working with me, I'm the one that they're talking with, and the design process is totally flexible to them, so they can take as long or as little as they need on a design project. Great. So I love that you highlight a few things. So let's kind of uh, dive into them a little bit and, and pause just for the audience who are listening here because you mentioned that the affordable design, the e-design, it's more fast paced. It's, it can be for most people, right? And it's not just for the rich and people who have deep pockets. And sure. I think you're absolutely right. There's this kind of conception that design and all of these things are luxury, right? Luxury mm -hmm. items that are reserved for those people or whatever it is, right? And so I like that you kind of highlighted how actually, no, these are all important for everyone, mostly because, and you touched on this as well, beautifully, on the emotions of walking into a space, right? And I think this is so true because why else do we need to go on vacations, right? And kind of unwind and <laughs> yeah. be in, in a, I don't know, a sunshiny place with... Yeah, a new environment. Absolutely. Blue turquoise water just out in the outdoors, uh, in the woods. And so 
I highly, highly encourage everyone to kind of think of these, this aspect, particularly not just from the, you know, the perspective of luxury, right? And I think particularly for business owners to also kind of apply this concept that everything matters around you, your surrounding matters. And if you want to be successful, you want to have a good work-life balance, all that good stuff, it does start with where you are, right? And, um, and I love that you're diving into this e-design. So was the, did you come from like a design creative family or is this something that you kind of develop over the course of your adult life? My mom is super artistic. Um, so she was a stay-at-home mom. She homeschooled my sister and I until high school. Um, so we were always constantly being surrounded um, by artistic talent. Um, so she's really kind of my inspiration. And that's why I actually started in um, fine arts major in college. So I really wanted to be a painter, move to New York, <laughs> be a starving artist. Um, that was just not the right direction for me. Um, and I realized that pretty fast about freshman year when I, uh, when I just was not getting the gratification from painting that I thought I would. Um, and then one of my counselors told me about interior design and never heard of it before really um and so that's kind of where that started and so when you're growing up and your mom what kind of art does she enjoy is it like a pure visual art or is it kind of other more dramatic arts applied arts uh visual arts yeah she's a watercolor artist super super talented yeah. Watercolor is not easy. I think a lot of people think that it's easy. God. Not easy. No. <laughs> it's actually one of the harder ones. <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. I do not have the patience for it. <laughs> yeah, even though we call it watercolor, it's actually not very fluid. And it's, uh, you know, once it dries up, you're it, you know, right. And um, so I really I like I live vicariously through others who are really good at that, uh, it, with that medium for sure. And um, so I, I highly commend your mom for sure for obviously cultivating that love when you were growing up. So, and uh, for all the creatives who are listening, I'd like to kind of basically point out how, you know, in the pursuit of not just happiness and fulfillment, but also in, in wealth, however way you want to define wealth, monetary or otherwise, there is kind of this idea, right, that I think a lot of this is, I think, is a misconception that people always assume that if you don't do X, then you are not going to be happy or whatever, right? And and I like that you are highlighting, okay, you were thinking about pursuing art, and then you, you transitioned. You were open to the idea from your counselor, it sounds like, and and pursuing something that was completely, or maybe not completely, but unknown to you. And so was there resistance from not just yourself, but from your family, people around you? What was that process like, that particular transition from, you know, kind of the visual arts into interior design? Yeah, well, for me, it was really like a light bulb went off. Um, And then when I started telling people, everyone was really excited and supportive of it. Um, And it was just a career path that I never had thought of. I didn't really know anything about it. And when I started hearing more and more, I sat in on some classes. It was like all the dots started aligning. I was like, where has this career been my entire life? This is exactly what I need to be doing. Um, So yeah, the transition, if there was really a transition, was very easy. That's, I love this because it's so simple. And I think a lot of people <laughs> have to 
overthink it and they're like, well, but what if it doesn't work out, right? Or, well, and I think it's so easy for us to be like, so not just tunnel vision, but to kind of think of our choice as absolute and permanent, which it isn't, right? Even now you can still transition back into art or something else, applied arts. And I think there is this freedom that we have to kind of claim for ourselves and for people around us and just be like, you know what, I'm going to choose this, but I know that I can still transition into this and that. And, um, and mostly with the exception, with the exception of a few situations, maybe related to poverty, income, all that good stuff. Um, for most of us, we can still uh, transition, right? Which is something that I think more, biz- more and more business owners should probably embrace and definitely designers as well. So, uh, Rebecca, I wanted to touch for a second here on your passion for affordability. And like you said, not a lot of people, definitely consumers and clients, but even interior designs, the, uh, designers, they don't really think of affordability from uh, I think I don't think that's really their focus, right? When they're talking about design, their focus might be to make it so, um, I guess, so be- most beautiful or most uh, functional or most productive or whatever it is. So, what are some some things that you've seen out there that has been kind of the holdup and the hiccup from people who might be your clients, former client, potential clients, whatever, who who are like, you know, what? There's just nothing affordable out there? What are some things that you've been hearing or seeing out there that prompted you to go, you know what, I'm going to open up transparent interiors? I think it really started with kind of the misconception of interior design as being unattainable and unaffordable for people. Um, And um, well, I think, yeah, the big misconception is that it's all high-end design. And a lot of designers, when they go into the industry, they just want to focus on luxury interior design. And that's fine. That's its, its own thing. And I honestly do a lot of luxury interior design projects as well. Um, so I don't think there should necessarily be that barrier to entry. I think, you know, as we talked about before, it, design is so important in our everyday lives that everyone should be able to achieve that and attain it. Um, so really, whether, you know, you're working with a $1,000 budget to refurnish or whether you're, you know, constructing a house from the ground up, design should be involved through that entire process. Um, and so, yeah, getting a professional's opinion and direction through that can really be helpful. So I like that, and this is great, because what you were highlighting is basically the idea that, yes, luxury and affordability can coexist at the yeah. same time in one person's life, in one family's life. And I, again, going back to that, the idea that not everything is black and white or so very binary, right? Uh, things mm-hmm. can coexist. Like, it's just the same as sometimes we go out to, or not just we, but everyone goes out to eat for, you know, that $3 taco that's super delicious. And then the the weekend after that, you're going out for, you know, this five-star meal, right? And right. I think that's that's the same thing with design and definitely for other spaces and in, in businesses as well. Because a lot of our listeners who are business owners or they want to open up a business and start a passive income, whatever it is, they're kind of thinking, oh, I want X and do I then have to give up Y? Not necessarily, right? So I like that this approach that you're taking in that you can have 
two things coexist, moving forward at the same time, and maybe just one uh, move forward a little bit more than the other. That's fine as well, right? And- yeah. And if you just start, want to start by upgrading a certain space or even like one single item in your house and then taking it from there, that's very doable as well. Sometimes it's easy to start small and focus in on a small area that's really going to make a huge difference um, and then, you know, grow the design from, from that point. Yeah, and this is good as well because to your point on the single item, I've seen this happen so many times. A lot of my friends, they would look at something and they saw, oh, this is a great couch or maybe this is a great chair, right? A single chair. And they would buy the chair and then from that chair and the position of the chair, they then redesigned the whole <laughs> interiors, right? Which is so cool. Mm-hmm. And I think we unco- we all unconsciously do this even with – I know a lot of our listeners who are outdoor fans, sometimes your, your in is like your bike or maybe your, you know, your backpack. And then from that backpack, you're creating this whole journey, right? And um, I, I love that you're underlying, uh, underlining basically that, yeah, you can start small and then you can move forward from that one little piece, which is great. So um, for a minute here, let's talk a little bit about transparent interiors, right? And you've already touched on affordability and why it is important to you. Can you share a little bit about why you chose the name transparent interiors for your business? Yeah, definitely. Um, One other thing that I saw in the traditional design industry was that there are a lot of hidden fees Um, And that a lot of times the clients didn't really understand where their money was going or where the designer's time was going, Um, which is very easy to lose track of if you're charging by the hour. You know, you get to shopping for a client and all of a sudden four hours later, you're still looking for that sofa and you have to bill for that time. And that's very reasonable. Um, But I just wanted to shape my business a little differently. And so I actually charge by um, the space. Um, opposed to by the hour. And so that means that, you know, if I take five hours on a project or 20 hours on a project, that is my time that I'm dedicating to that client. Um, And I want to be in control of that. But also I want them to have an amazing personalized interior design experience and know exactly what they're paying for that up front. Um, And included in that, I don't want to have extra fees, hidden you know, taxes or anything like that. So basically, you know, I'm able to offer um, no markups, um, no hidden ship fees, everything like that, whether wherever you are in the country within the U.S. Yeah, this is good. This is let's. This is a great uh, model, and let's actually compare this for a second to. Let's see here. What should we compare this to? I let's use hotels as an example, right? Because I think all of the listeners who is listening and may or may not be in the design space could apply this to their business as well, right? Because you had chosen basically a model where everything is is upfront, not upfront, but you. This is a bundle number, and everything will be included in it right and um and so there's no surprises all of this good stuff and this is so true because i cannot tell you how often i've seen and i'm not shading contractors because there's so many moving parts i cannot tell you how many times i've seen a remodel or a construction project or you know just even interior design projects and um, you know home uh, remodeling or even just on the on the bigger uh, side you know commercial projects going on and 
but when everything is said and done, it's like two to three times the cost of what it yeah. what they actually projected, right? Yes, of course, not everything can be predicted up front, but it, you know, if you know enough about the industry, you should have some idea of okay, this might be what's coming up, right? And so just kind of having that buffer zone. So what you're actually the model that you're choosing, I love this. And I want to, again, highlight this for the audience audience is because if you even look at uh, hotels, right. And, uh, you know, occasionally you, you'll see two types of luxury hotels. Let's just even look at that specific niche and, or niche as a lot of people say, and uh, luxury hotels, there's one where everything is like, okay, here's whatever, $500 a night or even $5,000 a night. And then when you get there, they come out with the champagne, with the mimosas, right? And, uh, and everything is like, is beautifully crafted. And you have this amazing, wonderful experience. And then on the other side of it, there's another model where, okay, it's actually like $125 or whatever, $180, $200, whatever it is that, that uh, sounds good to your, uh, to your specific vicinity. And then when you get there, there's resort fees, there's like taxes. And then when you get out, when you're done with the whole experience, you're like, how, this is, this sucks, right? This is terrible. Um, right. So prizes. You want it to be a great experience from start to finish. And yeah, no, no fees and no scary numbers. Yeah. So, and I think, and again, this, you can see this again, this is for the audience on behalf of the audience. You can see this in all of uh, all spaces, airline industry, right? There's Southwest model, American airline model, right? Where they charge everything in you, whether you want to or not, you get it. And both has pros and cons, I think. But what's important to take home is that you can choose what works for you and what you feel is good for the people that you're working with. Amazing. Um, All right. So, when you're working with, uh, you know, people on their interiors, and you've touched on this just briefly earlier, you were talking about the emotional aspect and the emotional impact, actually, you mentioned, on the surrounding uh, environment, right? And how it impacts mm-hmm. you and your work and your life and everything that you're doing. So walk us through, for those of us who are not creatively inclined and not as, uh, as in tune with this world, can you walk us through how, particularly if they're, obviously they can reach out to you and work with you and everything, but if they're wanting to get right now today, uh, if they're looking at their homes and they're wanting to, okay, you know what, I need to really feel good about this, my life's been in a rut, whatever, where can they start, like interior-wise, like where do they Yeah, start? definitely. Well, I would say the first thing you should always do when looking at a space is kind of coming up with your dream for it and what it is not, but you would like it to be. So I kind of start every project by looking at the entirety and talking with the client and saying, what do you need this space to be for you? So, you know, whether that's you need this to be a functional home office or you want this to be a cozy living room that you can hang out with your family and friends in, that is the priority that we're trying to get to. Um, And there are a lot of super technical things that I could talk about um, far as color theory and lighting and all these different things that have major impacts. Um, but I would say the primary thing that people should probably be focusing on is making it a space where they feel most like themselves. Um, so really sitting down and, you know, taking value of your space and saying, does this reflect me? 
Um, does this make me feel happy? Um, and then if it doesn't, why? You know, question it, see what you can do about it. Um, and you know, there's always things you can do. You can move things around, you can repaint, add window treatments, even changing the light bulbs, like has a huge impact. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would just say what I try to do in all of my projects is really create a space that reflects my clients. Okay, this is great because the idea is basically reflecting who you already are or who you're, you're wanting to be. And by you, obviously, is the person who wants the whole thing revamped, right? And I think there's maybe this misconception that if you're introducing a service or an interior design remodel or whatever it is, you're changing things and you're having to change with it. And, um, and what you're saying is, no, 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 not so much. We want to the space to basically mirror you and what you do and what you're passionate about and what you like and when you like to be comfortable or excited or whatever. And um, so starting with the people, I think, is, is also important. And let's, let's use one of this example. And you mentioned there are a lot of technical things, right? But let's use one specific example just so that people can immediately, uh, I guess, have an improvement in their space, right? And you're talking about maybe even changing the light bulb. Talk to us a little bit about something as small as a light bulb. Because here in this Good Grow Great podcast, we talk all the time about create or taking small steps to create the biggest change possible, right? The biggest difference possible. So a light bulb can be a couple bucks. So how can you use something as simple as a light bulb to transform the space and transform your emotions? Yeah, definitely. Well, it really depends going back to the functionality and the ideal task you know, give or take a definition of a space. Um, so what, what functionality do you want the space to have? Because that's going to really impact what kind of lighting you used. For instance, if you're working on a home office, you're going to want a very different type of lighting than if you're working on a cozy family room. So in a home office, you want the lights to be a little brighter, a little whiter, and that will actually, um, you know, have a different impact on your brain than if you are using a warmer, more orangey tinted light um, that you would use in your family room. So okay. in your family room, I like to think of like a lot of layered lightings, lights. So when I look at a space and they're like, I want it to be cozy, I think about layering the lighting. So you have your overhead lights um, that are more for functional purposes and then floor lamps, um, desk lamps, table lamps, that sort of thing. And that's kind of the next layer. That I call it adds the cozy effect. Um, <laughs> so really when you walk into a room and you flip on the overhead lights, it's immediately bright, you know? It's gonna consume the entire space. But if you turn those off, turn on a couple floor lamps or table lamps, it's really gonna create that warm, inviting, cozy effect. Mm, this is good. And this is, I'm sure, what a lot of <laughs> non-designers appreciate because just even when you're talking about layering the lights I mean you know for my intents and purposes a light is a light right I just didn't know and when you're talking though about layering the light it makes total sense and how okay the the lights for on, on the oh you call it overhead right overhead mm -hmm. lights and lamps those are if you really want to give uh, the room a brighter look and then the floor lamps have a different role and almost like giving each 
aspects and components, its own uh, personality and definitely its own role to how you're how you want to feel in that room, which is super duper cool. Um, and uh, I want to touch for a second on brain chemistry because you had mentioned that it does affect our brain chemistry. And I think a lot of people, when they talk about brain chemistry, they're thinking, oh, it's just for like mental health issues or whatever, depression, mood, blah, blah, blah. Not so much, right? All of these things do affect and they do compound. So when we're talking about design and how it, uh, how design and light, lighting, everything, color, everything impacts brain chemistry. I think this is so important for us to remember. And which is why I personally think that for business owners, this is something that we all need to kind of pay attention to because your productivity, how fast or how, how efficient, right, you're doing things. It, it all kind of, yes, of course, you can muster enough willpower to, to be as productive and as, <laughs> as good as possible in your environment. But why but, make it hard on yourself? <laughs> exactly. I love this. Yeah. Exactly. Why make it hard on yourself, right? If it takes us just 20 minutes or whatever to run to the store or go to Transparent Interiors and just kind of pick something that you like, Amazing, you know, and that impacts something that you're working on a project or whatever for months, maybe even years, right? And I think a lot of times we think too short term. So I love this approach that you're sharing. Uh, so Rebecca, believe it or not, we are at the conclusion of our interview. So if you can please share with the audience where they could learn more about you and we'll wrap up the interview. Yeah, definitely. Well, you can go to my website. It's just transparentinteriors.com. You can learn all about my business and reach out to me. Amazing. Rebecca, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Hit follow and subscribe. Growth Solvers, let's do this.